no mercy now There's no more forgiveness No running now Cause you've made it my business Etched in my mind The sins of your past are slapping me Hello everyone and welcome to another jam-packed edition of the Royal Ramble on this beautiful Sunday afternoon under a glorious October sky. Can you believe that it's already October? I mean, we're already three quarters of the way through 2023. That is ridiculous. I'll tell you what else is ridiculous, and I mean that in the good slang definition of the word, and that's that we have a trifecta of wrestling shows to cover in this episode. What a smooth transition that is between months. We had a pay-per-view or premium live event, whichever you prefer, just last night as the NXT crew took over Bakersfield, California for their No Mercy event. So a great way to end September and then perhaps an even better way to start October as tonight we have the AEW Dream Show partially in collaboration with New Japan as the show is dedicated to the memory of Antonio Inoki who passed away a year ago this week. I'll be reviewing one and previewing the other in this episode, and I also have a bonus preview because I'm also going to be talking about the WWE Fastlane event taking place next Saturday, although not too much to talk about there because there are only four matches that have been made official. So let's not waste any more time making small talk, and let's start talking big and talk all about NXT No Mercy. As I said, the show just wrapped up just over 12 hours ago from Bakersfield, California, I have to admit that I was really only looking forward to one match going into it, but I would say at least half of the card blew me away, putting my thumb somewhere in the middle. For the first time, and I can't remember how long, I actually reminded myself to skip the kickoff show, because nothing ever happens during that hour. So of course there was actually a match this time. Go figure. It featured Blair Davenport against Kalani Jordan, who will be a participant in the women's breakout tournament that gets started this coming week on NXT. The highlight of the match didn't really happen until after the closing bell when Gigi Dolan attacked Davenport to set up a match between those two this week on NXT. I missed this match because I was catching up on episodes of Gen V, which is the boys spin-off available on Amazon Prime Video. The first three episodes dropped on Friday and I watched two of them with one left to go. I had very low expectations as I usually do for spin-offs or remakes, but this one didn't disappoint. Give it a watch. I also ordered my food around this time and usually try to pair my food with whatever I'm watching. This time I ordered from Crave Wings, which I'd highly recommend for those of you living in Toronto. I'm actually not sure if this is a chain, but as far as I know, it's only available in the city. They have about 50 wing flavors. I decided to go with the teriyaki and spicy garpar and completed my order with some Jaffna fries, which if you've never had, you don't know what you're missing. You can thank me later. I'm sure that meal will have no mercy on me later, but let's get back into the show. The main card kicked off with an opening video that was inspired by the WWF No Mercy video game for N64. I remember playing this in my teen years and thinking those were the greatest graphics ever. I don't know what I was thinking, but this was actually pretty cool for an opening video. The show started with the one-on-one -on -one match between Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. 
You know, people complain all the time about the blurred lines between babyfaces and heels in AEW. However, in this match, these two are both clearly heels, and I was a little surprised that they didn't try to insert Von Wagner into this, making it a triple threat, but kudos to them for having the patience to sell his injuries. Both guys had really cool entrances. Breaker came out apparently using his animality cheat code from one of the Mortal Kombat video games as he was wearing some kind of Doberman mask slash hood, which looked kind of cool. And then Corbin might be the newest member of Sons of Anarchy. They were in California after all, and he came out on a motorcycle, which I'm not sure really suited his character. Before the bell even rang, Breaker met Corbin on the floor with a somersault dive. They brawled through the crowd a bit, and then Breaker assaulted the security team that was trying to get them back into the ring. When the match finally got started, Corbin set Breaker up on the announce table and placed the ring steps near it so he can launch himself off and land with a senton on top of Breaker, but the table didn't break, which couldn't have felt good for either guy. Breaker showed off his athleticism by running up the ropes a la Kurt Angle to deliver a top rope Frankensteiner to Corbin. Back on the floor, Breaker tried to get a running start around ringside, but Corbin caught him and planted him through the announce table with a single arm spinebuster. Breaker regained the advantage and then signaled the end as he removed his straps, but then Robert Stone, the manager of Von Wagner, suddenly appeared on the top turnbuckle and launched himself at Breaker, who caught him, and just tossed Stone onto the pile of security guards at ringside. I'm not sure why that wouldn't have caused a disqualification, but nevertheless, the distraction allowed Corbin to catch Breaker by surprise with the end of days for the win. This was much better than I expected. The outcome was a little surprising, but at least it keeps both guys looking strong. Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton are then shown arriving to the building at different intervals, as that was your main event last night. They then air a pre-taped interview with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, where they basically say that they're ready for their respective title matches, and that both will be leaving the show as champions. And that led into the first of the two title matches, with Trick Williams challenging Dominic Mysterio for the North American title, with Dragon Lee for some reason as the special guest referee. I don't know why they decided to put the heel at the disadvantage in this match. That's kind of backwards booking in my opinion. Dominic scores with a drop kick right at the opening bell, and then almost immediately argues with Lee. There was a crowd chant of, We Want Mommy, of course referring to Rhea Ripley, who has been noticeably absent the last couple of weeks. As Trick was seated against the bottom rope, Dom delivered a 619 to the back of his neck. Dom then tried a super kick, but Williams ducked and he hit Dragon Lee. And then a new ref came out to replace him, but Dom accidentally ran into that official as well, so he already had two ref bumps. Dominic then grabs the belt to use, but Trick beats him to the punch and scores with a flying knee, basically knocking the belt into Dom's face, and then Dragon comes back in to make the count, so we have a new champion. Another very surprising outcome here, firstly because I assumed they'd want Trick to keep failing to push the jealousy angle with Carmelo, and now they've just thrown a wrench into the angle with Judgment Day. They air a recap of Joe Gacy basically breaking down after his loss on NXT last week and yelling at Ava that schism is no more. If anyone is in need of repackaging, it's this guy, so great move if that's the case. The four-way is next for the NXT Tag Team titles with the family defending against the Creed Brothers, Angel and Umberto, who are still without a team name, and Out the Mud, which is probably the worst team name I've ever heard, and that's including some of the AEW ones. The Out the Mud team comes out on lowrider bicycles, which look pretty cool. The match started off with two guys in the ring, but eventually all eight got in there and engaged in a huge brawl. There was a cool spot by Angel and Berto where they delivered a slingshot diamond dust off a of gory special which was unique. 
Scripps tried to get involved, but Ivy took him out. Julius then went suplex crazy and basically delivered overhead belly-to-bellies to everyone in his path, one after the other. I missed what happened to Tony, but he was apparently taken out at some point and then came back as Stax was being worked over by the four heels in the match. There was a cool spot where four guys delivered superplexes at the same time from each of the four corners. Brutus then delivered a springboard Brutus bomb onto the pile at ringside. Meanwhile, the family finished off one of the out-the-mud guys with a double-team spinebuster to keep the titles. It was a little weird that basically they faced three teams in the match and won because now who's even left? There was a weird vignette up next where you had a mystery guy in a hood basically flipping channels and browsing through Peacock or WWE Network. I don't know who this was supposed to be or if they were simply just advertising their streaming service. Trick and Mello were shown backstage celebrating Trick's title win. Rising music artist Ryan Oaks was shown at ringside. Don't even ask me who that is, but apparently he has a lot of followers. The Heritage Cup match was next with Noam Dar against Butch. Butch had Tyler Bate in his corner as Dar was accompanied by his metaphor teammates. That's actually a really good name. I'm kind of surprised that Butch didn't have the brawling brutes out there, but I don't know if Sheamus is injured as I haven't seen him in a few weeks now. This was a really fun match. Dar was basically using every trick in the book while Butch was more focused on punishment and joint manipulation. Mensa got involved a couple of times, earning Dar a pinfall, but eventually Bate took him out. Butch responded with a pump knee in midair, followed by the bitter end to even things up. Dar delivered a nasty-looking brainbuster on the ring apron. In the end, Butch started building momentum. He first planted Dar with Bates' move, the Tyler Driver 97, and then executed his own move, the bitter end, and quickly transitioned into an armbar. Just when it looked like Dar would tap, Gallus suddenly entered from the crowd and attacked Bate on the floor, which distracted Butch and the ref. Joe Coffey then leveled Butch with a discus clothesline, and Dar got the final pin to keep the cup. It was announced that Halloween Havoc will be a two-week TV special this year, starting on October 24th, and then continuing on Halloween night on the 31st. NXT Deadline will also return as a premium live event in December. It will also be the return of the Iron Survivor Challenges. That led into the world title match with Carmelo Hayes defending against Ilya Dragunov. Dragunov is probably the greatest salesman in all of wrestling right now. You could literally feel his pain throughout the match, and he might be the most intense performer I've seen since Randy Savage. Dragunov connected with a big boot right at the opening bell, but Hayes came back with a jumping Enzogiri, and then a springboard bulldog, and followed up with a tilt-a-whirl bulldog, which just about spiked Dragunov headfirst into the canvas, and Dragunov's selling in this match was out of this world. It's going to be a close race this year for Wrestler of 2023, but I think both of these guys are in that conversation. Dragunov started bleeding from the forehead at one point, and I think it was hard way. Hayes delivered a code breaker, and then Dragunov basically bounced off the ropes and delivered the first of three H-bombs. This one connected, but only got two. He then delivered a second H-bomb off the middle turnbuckle for a near fall. Hayes responded with almost a gourd buster off the apron to the floor. Back in the ring, Dragunov made his way to the top rope to deliver a third H-bomb, which finally put Hayes away, and we have a brand new NXT Heavyweight Champion. They then shook hands and hugged after the match, showing some mutual respect. As I mentioned earlier, the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament will get underway this coming week. They also have announced Blair Davenport vs. Gigi Dolan and Gallus vs. Tyler Bate and Butch for the show. 
Tegan Knox was shown in the crowd as she will face the winner of the main event, and it was the Extreme Rules match for the NXT Women's title with Becky Lynch defending against Tiffany Stratton. This match didn't disappoint, but it really felt like it was a stipulation for the sake of it. Unlike Becky's feud with Trish, I really don't think this program reached that level of intensity that would require such a stipulation. It just didn't fit the story for me. Becky came out with a shopping cart full of weapons, and the fight started in the aisleway as Becky unloaded on Tiffany with kendo sticks and chairs. She then tried to put on this construction helmet to deliver a headbutt, but had some problems with it as it kept falling off. They brawled through the crowd and Becky grabbed a chain from one of the fans to use. When they got back to ringside, Tiffany was busted open. I'm not sure how that happened, but I think it was from the chain. Becky then placed Tiffany inside a shopping cart and ran it into the ring steps. She then emptied this mystery sack, which was filled with broken Barbie doll parts in the ring, and tried to suplex Tiffany into them. There was also a stack of chairs, which Becky planted Tiffany into with a double underhook suplex, and then immediately transitioned into an armbar, but Tiffany wisely rolled to the floor with Becky still attached to her, and then delivered a single-arm powerbomb to Becky onto the steps, but looked like she struggled a bit to get her up there, and Becky had to noticeably help her, which looked kind of awkward. Becky then disappeared under the ring, and Tiffany was looking for her on each side. When she finally found her, Becky blasted Tiffany with a fire extinguisher, and then pulled out a barbed wire bat, Shades of Cactus Jack, and used it against Tiffany's ribs, but I didn't think Tiffany sold it that well. Tiffany came back with a handspring back elbow, crashing both women through the barricade. She then set Becky up on a table at ringside, and delivered a swanton bomb from the top rope, which nearly cleared the table, and, di and it didn't break. Tiffany delivered a second swanton in the ring and hit that one expertly, but only got two. Tiffany tried a moonsault to the floor, but Becky dodged it, and Tiffany rolled through, but Becky rebounded with a manhandle slam on the floor. Back in the ring, Tiffany missed her version of the best moonsault ever, and then Becky hit a final manhandle slam into the stack of chairs to keep the title. Becky then locked eyes with Tegan Knox at ringside as if to say, you're next. This was a kind of weird way to end the show, but basically Trick Williams walks up to Carmelo Hayes trying to console him after his loss, and Carmelo apologizes, but Trick says he doesn't care what anyone says, and that Carmelo is still him. I was fully expecting someone to turn here, but we didn't get it, so again it was kind of weird, and I'm not sure why they didn't do this vignette after the world title match. But that was no mercy, and from one show, we move on to the next, and that is AEW Dream, which takes place later tonight in Seattle. MJF will apparently go it alone against the Righteous in a handicap match for the ROH Tag Team titles. Given the angle that ended Dynamite last week, I wasn't expecting any kind of replacement for Adam Cole. I think either MJF will wrestle this match as is, or Cole will stumble out at some point and attempt to uh, tag in, but would be so injured that it'll cost their team the match. Either way, I think we're getting new champions here because I don't ever expect Cole or MJF to be on Ring of Honor TV. The TBS women's title match will probably be the lone bathroom break of the night with Julia Hart challenging Chris Statlander. I have to say I'm not into either of these women as performers or characters, and I hope they at least keep this one short. Given that Statlander was the one that they chose to end Jade's undefeated streak, I think it'll be an extreme disservice to have her just lose the title so quickly, and especially to Julia Hart. I picked the champ to retain here. Ricky Starks vs. Wheeler Yuta was just added to this stacked card. 
I'm still a little confused as to whether the Blackpool Combat Club are supposed to be heels or babyfaces, and equally confused as to why they still use that name since Regal has long since departed the company. But this could be a very strong match and should be a hot opener if they choose to go that way, though I think the ROH tag title match is more likely to open the show. Starks needs to keep his momentum going and I think he could use a clean win here over Yuta. I think they'll probably tease a handshake afterwards and Starks will decline yet again. There is also a random four-way tag match on the card to determine number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team titles. It'll be the Young Bucks against the Gun Club, representing Bullet Club Gold, against the Lucha Brothers, against Orange Hook. First of all, terrible name. Secondly, has Orange Cassidy and Hook ever even teamed up before? Why are they suddenly in contention for a tag team title shot? All booking faux pas aside, this should be a very hot match, and I feel bad for whoever the referee is. I think it's about time that the Bucks got back into the title hunt, and I would definitely like to see more of a long-term feud with them against FTR, so I'll pick the Bucks to win. This isn't the only action that the Elite will see tonight, as Hangman Adam Page will also take on Swerve Strickland in singles action. This is probably going to be another potential show-stealer, and I ultimately think Swerve needs this win a lot more than Hangman, so I think he'll go over through underhandedness, so you can revisit this program at a later time. The other member of the elite, Kenny Omega, will team with his golden lover, Kota Ibushi. I didn't mean that to sound the way it did. And their strange bedfellow teammate, Chris Jericho. That sounds even worse. <laughs> to take on the Don Callis family of Kanoski Takeshita, Will Ospreay, and Sammy Guevara. There are a lot of stories to potentially be told here, and the in-ring quality should be off the page as well. I think tension between Jericho and Omega will lead to their downfall here, as Sammy gets a victory over Jericho using Jericho's own bat, Floyd. Eddie Kingston puts both of his newly won championships on the line as well against ROH Pure Champion Katsuyori Shibata. I find that Kingston is either hit or miss in the ring, but Shibata is the right opponent for him to have a big hit. Given that Kingston's belts are up for grabs and Shibata's is not, I think Eddie will retain and then earn a shot at the pure title at a later ROH event. Christian Cage and Darby Allen will conclude their rivalry in a 2 out of 3 falls match for the TNT title. This is a great way to keep Darby strong when he picks up the first fall, but also an excuse to keep the belt on Christian because I think he's been doing a fantastic job in this program and has cut some of the best promos of his career. I think we're probably getting a Nick Wayne double cross here and Christian retains while Darby branches off into a feud against Wayne. FTR put their tag team titles on the line against Aussie Open in what will undoubtedly be a match of the year contender. FTR has had some fantastic matches lately and I don't expect this one to be any different. I can't see any upside in Aussie Open winning unless it's a short term reign. I think FTR wins, but they may get some kind of controversial finish where they end up pinning the illegal man or something. Speaking of potential match of the year contenders, Danielson versus Sabre could be match of the decade. The two greatest technical wrestlers of this generation will go at it in the main event of this show. This one should be crazy, and given that it's Danielson's home state, he should be going over. But then I was thinking, if he really is planning to retire next year, what would it do for Sabre to put him over in Danielson's home state? What would it do for him to be the man to potentially retire the American Dragon? I think Sabre might actually win this one clean with a submission, and then they write Danielson off TV, only to come back for the rematch potentially at Forbidden Door next year. So that's Dream. 
but now we are going to reveal my fantasy match predictions for the next AEW pay-per-view full gear in this week's fantasy forecast. MJF versus Jay White for the AEW world title. Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley for the ROH world title. Ray Fenix versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Roderick Strong and the Kingdom. Soraya versus Jamie Hayter for the AEW women's title. Chris Statlander versus Nyla Rose for the TBS women's title. FTR versus Aussie Open versus the Young Bucks in a three-way dance for the AEW tag team titles. Christian Cage and Nick Wayne against Darby Allen and AR Fox. Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. Kota Ibushi versus Konosuke Takeshita with Kenny Omega handcuffed to Don Callis around the ring post. And from there, we switch into a new gear and go into the fast lane, which the WWE is presenting next weekend. Thus far, only four matches have been announced. John Cena will team with LA Knight to face Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso. I think it would be the best thing ever to have Knight go over, and you would probably want him to pin Solo so you can keep Jimmy strong, but then a mistake by Jimmy will cost their team the match, so you can still further the tension between Bloodline members until Reigns returns. Seth Rollins also puts the WWE World title on the line against Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match, which will likely be the main event. I'm thinking this is an easy way to do a non-finish, where neither guy is able to answer the 10 count, so it ends in a draw so the feud can continue. But then you have Nakamura attack Rollins after the match to do further damage to his back, and Nakamura steals the belt while Seth is off TV to sell the injury, only to return before the, pre the next premium live event. A triple threat for the SmackDown women's title was also announced with Io Sky defending against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. I think tension between Charlotte and Asuka will end up costing both of them the match, and damage control will help keep the belt on Io until Bianca returns next month. And then just added via social media is the six-man tag featuring the LWO against Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. At least they finally made the heel turn for the Profits official, and I think in order to, for anyone to take this team seriously, they have to get a strong win, and I think Lashley will end up stealing a tag and claiming victory for his team. So now let's take a look at what I have planned for Crown Jewel with my fantasy forecast. Roman Reigns vs. AJ Styles for the WWE Universal title. Seth Rollins vs. Shinsuke Nakamura in a steel cage match for the WWE World Heavyweight title. John Cena vs. Logan Paul. Rhea Ripley vs. Nia Jax for the Raw Women's title. Io Sky vs. Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's title. Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn vs. Finn Balor, Damian Priest, JD McDonough, and Dominic Mysterio in an 8-man bunkhouse brawl. Rey Mysterio vs. Bobby Lashley for the US title. So that'll do it for another week. I will be back next week to review both AEW Dream and WWE Fastlane. Until then, I leave you with an ABC.